You're listening to the Home Staging Show podcast. I'm your host Cindy Lin. This is a show where we talk about all things real estate, home staging, and selling a home to live and to sell. Welcome back to season nine. This is episode four. Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of the Home Staging Show. So on today's episode, I'm interviewing Kelly Williams, who has been a longtime stager since 2003, and she's now a real estate agent for the past six years. For many years, she has mentored many new stagers when they first graduated from their home staging training program. She was voted the CSP Mentor of the Year in 2006. In 2013, she co-authored a best-selling book, Home Staging Secrets. She was featured on an episode of By Me on HGTV, an interview by both the National Post and Toronto Sun. Combined with her home staging expertise, she's able to service her real estate clients and help them find or sell their homes. I'm really excited about interviewing today because she's just a wealth of knowledge. I think because of having now worked as a home stager and both as a real estate agent, it really enriches her expertise to see what today's buyers and sellers are looking for. So I hope you like today's episode and let's start the show. So Kelly, thank you so much for coming on the show. So before we get started, can you tell us a little bit about your background? How did you get into real estate? Oh, first, thanks to you, Cindy, for having me on your show. I was very excited about it. So,、uh, a bit about my background:、uh, I went to college for interior decorating and received my honors diploma. And it was during my when I was taking my business class that one of the instructors invited somebody in to talk to us about where they took their interior decorating business. It was at that point he had just taken the first on stage, and he said. This is what I want to do. I want to stage houses, and so I thought, "Huh, this sounds pretty cool." So I looked it up, and and I took the CSP course. Actually, it was ASP at that time, and then、uh, Christine Ray went out on her own and started the CSP course, and that was way back in 2003, and that's when I started my staging company of Creative Touch Interiors. And back then, staging wasn't really heard of. Nobody really knew what staging was. It was a really big sell for a, a number of years, trying to explain people what it was. So the staging afforded me the flexibility to run in my own business and still be able to be at my children's school and sporting events, and that was pretty important to me because、uh, I became a single parent to three teenagers in 2006. So I needed to be here, there, and everywhere.、Uh, I started mentoring with the CSP training. Company back in 2006 and earned their first mentor award that year, so that was pretty exciting. I enjoyed working with the new stagers, and I met some great people, and that's sort of how I built my team with a lot with some of them. In 2013, all my children were now grown and out at university or college, so that's when I made the leap into real estate.、Um, I knew that selling real estate was going to require a lot of hours, evenings, and weekends, and that I now had since I was an empty nester. That's very cool, and I had no idea you have all this going on. Yeah. So that's pretty amazing. Well, thanks. Yeah, it was. And so I actually have been wanting you to to bring you on the show for a long time because I always want to interview someone with both the real estate agent's perspective and also the stager's perspective. So even though you're working as a real estate agent, do you still stage properties that that you're selling? And how do you balance between the two? I do do staging. Not as much. I stage my make sure my my properties are staged, for sure. But when I moved from Toronto, which is about an hour away from the Kitchener Waterloo area, 
I was concentrating more on the real estate aspect out here in, in the KW area. And so I do some occasional staging for an agent or two in my office or the consultations for them. But most of my stagings, if I do any, are with probably a handful of uh, realtors that I've worked with since I began my business. So I don't do a lot of stagings. So it's only for a few that I actually stage. So because I I have uh, just a handful of um, agents in Toronto that I work with, it's easy to manage doing the real estate and the staging. If I was working with the same number of real estate agents that I did when I was in Toronto, I, it would be pretty hard to do. But this way I, I can do both. So I, this is my question, I guess. I know I'm jumping out of order a little bit, so don't worry. So in your opinion, because I know a lot of real estate agents, they also want to take on the staging. In your opinion, can that be done? Or what recommendation would you have for agents who also want to do staging? Um, I think what made it easier for me was in the sense that I already had a staging business and I wasn't learning two businesses at the same time. And I also, when I started with real estate, you can't have the same level in staging as you do in real estate and vice versa. One has to give unless you, you actually uh, have a team that you know, they just do the staging part and you just, you know, are concentrating on your your real estate, on how busy you are. Um, when you're really busy, you know, having all your buyers and doing your um, listings to try and, you know, if it's just for yourself, you could do it, but it, not if it's, um, you're going to be doing it for other people. You'd never be able to start both new businesses and or run both businesses efficiently that way. I, I believe. And then do you work with both buyers and sellers? I do. I work with, my business right now probably is more with buyers than with sellers. However, I mean, that always changes, right? All of a sudden you're, you could be more listings than you are buyers and then it switches the other way and then you get more buyers than you have listings. <laughs> it's never the same. <laughs> so how does being a stager prepare you for working with buyers and sellers? The benefit is that because I have a design background, so when we're walking through, well, if I'm working with the seller, when I'm, I'm able to, you know, help them saying these are, you know, we have to change up some colors and, you know, these are things that we need to do in your home to get it, you know, to sell properly and, and that type of thing. And when I'm working with the buyer, uh, we can walk through the houses and, you know, Sometimes people, you know, they can't see what's in front of them. I can help them say, well, this will, you know, set up with furniture placement or we can change your color or just add this or, you know, they have a lot of questions on things that they can't see and I can help them. I can walk through them because I have that decorating background. And has um, being a real estate agent changed how you think about home staging? Oh, no, because I completely believe in home staging and making sure that the properties show the best that they can. It doesn't help your seller if you're not staging the property. Now, some now there are some properties that require very minimal. And that's just, some, you know, saying, you know, we just need to move this table out. We just put in a new clean duvet cover. But they live very, you know, 
wealth. They don't have a lot of stuff and they're not pack rats. And so. Right. Yeah. Those are difficult properties um, when the clients have a lot of stuff to work with. Yeah. With the staging background and being doing consultations now for 16 years, speaking with the seller, it's very easy to be able to explain to them, like, why are we doing it? What are the buyers looking for? It's an easy conversation to have with them and giving them reasons why. I don't ever say, well, you have to give, you know, just do this. Everybody has a, well, why are we doing that? And can't, you know, we just leave it this way. Right. Then we want to open up the room of, you know, and explaining it without, you know, and I think it works well that way because it's very able to, it's not a just a do this, it's a answer the question and reason why. Right. And so what is your local real estate market like? Uh, Kitchener-Waterloo is a great market here. We are, our property prices are lower than what is Toronto. So there's, we're very affordable, which is, <laughs> which is what we want, especially for first-time buyers, right? And we have a lot of people that have moved out from the Toronto area out to the Kitchener-Waterloo area just because you get more house for your dollar, more condo for your dollar, right? And you're able to, as I say, as a first-time home buyer, has a better chance of finding something and getting into something here than something that's in the Toronto area. Right. And I think a lot of people have this misconception that it's really easy to be a real estate agent. So can you share a little bit about your process? Like how do you market to get new listings and new clients? Well, okay. So real estate is, I mean, trying to find clients is really difficult. And so some people, there's cold calling. I'm not a big cold caller. So I like to door knock. Uh, I get referrals so from past clients. So that's another nice warm lead. I mean, you can do what you call as buying leads, which is, you know, you pay for leads in internet or in the, or the, you know, you see little ads that go on and then if you click on it, then you can see some houses and then it goes to a website. Um, I don't do that. That's not in my budget. So pretty much I do open houses, door knocking and referral business. That's actually really interesting because I, when I was working as a buyer's agent, I did a lot of cold calls, but I was a bit mm-hmm. shy to door knock. So you found that door knocking has been beneficial for your business. Yeah. And I'm more comfortable actually door knocking. And most times I'm door knocking, you know, just to, you know, it's easy. It's a warmer call just to tell them what's happening in the neighborhood. Have they, you know, if they thought if they'd like to have their home, if they thought about selling, then maybe they'd like to have a consult, like a, um, just to find out what the market value of their home is. It's not a, most people too are pretty nice when you're knocking on the door and just saying hello. Really? You know? Wow. Yeah. That's I, great. I don't find a lot of people hard to deal with at the door. And it could be like, no, we're not selling and that's fine. Because I'm not asking, to, you know, I just want to let you know there's, I'm having an open house. You might have somebody who wants to move in the neighborhood, you know? So I don't take it. That's right. It's very hard. Sometimes it's hard to get out of the car and make that first knock on that first door. But once you knock on that first door, then you just keep going and then then your day goes. (laughs) That's amazing. So when you're door knocking, what kind of process do you have to prepare for door knocks? Because you must, you probably have researched the neighborhoods first, right? Before you go on knock on people's doors. Well, it depends on what I'm doing. Sometimes you're knocking on the door because you have a listing, 
right? So you've got a listing coming up, so you're knocking on the door and you're inviting the, you're letting the neighbors know because they might have friends or family that are looking to move in the neighborhood. So you're giving them a heads up, hey, you know, just down the street, you've got this new listing. Pick your neighbors, right? How, what, a, what a great idea that you've got somebody that you want in and instead of somebody that you don't know. So that's pretty easy to do. And then you're getting people to be able to you know about your open house and you're inviting them to that. And then if, when you, it's the same thing, you know, you door knock around where you've sold and it's the same thing, just letting them know what's happening in their neighborhood. That's very cool. And how many doors do you knock in one sitting, I guess? Uh, well, and you know what? It's interesting. Like every day, is, it's a different number. You could knock on 50 doors. Typically, you do 50 doors when you're inviting somebody, you know, to your open house type thing. So you're, you know, across the street and up and on each side of the where your the home is. And then you just keep adding, right? Because if you're door knocking and doing your legion and then you're just doing it around that property and i'm curious so how many people do you usually get for your first open houses you know what there's absolutely no guarantee on how many people are going to come through on an open house you think if the weather is beautiful you're thinking i should have a lot of people in well that's the day that everybody's decided that they're not doing coming to the open house because what is so nice we're going to do our own gardening right yeah (laughs) and not to the open house And then you're thinking, well, we're in the middle of a huge, like all this rain. And then you can be really busy because people have decided, well, we can't do anything. Let's just go and, you know, see what's out there. And and then you've got really busy open houses. A lot has to do, too, with how nicely the pictures are showing on on the Internet and the price point. So how many buyers are out there in that price point? And, you know, I've seen it online. and or saying, well, I want to go and see it. Open house, let's go. That's great. And so as a listing agent, do you find open house to be a very, very important marketing activity when it comes to selling the house? Well, it, it is because you are trying to, you want as many people to be able to see the property as possible. And some buyers, you know, they're not working with anybody. So they don't have an agent that's making an appointment for them to come. Or they're just sort of, you know, they're just looking. Like they're just getting an idea of what's happening and now they can come into the open house. If there's no open house and they don't have an agent that can get them in, then they're not going to be able to to see it or to know. Because they could come in and they might even say, well, it doesn't work for me, but it works for somebody else. Right. I have a friend who's going to like this. Right. And they have to be able to get in, right? Because if they're just, if they're just sort of thinking about selling, they want to see what houses are looking for, sort of what they think their houses is worth so that they can go home and, you know, well, we're going to have to fix it up or we're going to have to paint it or something like that. It gives them an idea, but in the same sense, they might have know that they've got a friend that is looking and they can go back and say, I just saw the perfect house for you. Right. Yeah, exactly. You never know who's going to come through. So that's very important. Exactly. And so what are today's buyers looking for? Today's buyers, you sort of have different kinds. You've got ones that are looking to get the good deal because they want to fix it up and then they might want to, you know, flip it or, you know, use it as an investment property. And then you've got the buyer that wants it done, right? I don't have the time. I just want to move in. So they're looking at it as, I can just put my stuff in and that's all I have to do. So you've got the different ones. Some want the work and 
the majority do not want a lot of work to have to do, especially large projects. It's one thing they can come in and they say, well, I'm going to just change the color of this wall. Um, it's another when they, you know, deterrents are when everything has to be done. You've got kitchens and bathrooms and flooring and, you know, if everything's looking worn and tired, it's like, okay, well, do they have the money to be able to fix it, to do the improvements of it is, or, you know, can they live with all that carpeting that they know needs to be replaced? Can they live with it until they have the money to do that? Right. So... Yeah, it can be tricky. I think as a seller, you can feel a bit out of sorts because you're not sure exactly like what today's buyers are looking for. It's in a way a bit of guessing game. But I think in general, it's like to prepare the home as much as you can, probably going to really increase your probability to really sell the house successfully. Oh, for sure. And it's interesting. I just staged a property for another agent a couple of weeks ago. And when I was doing my pickup yesterday, I mean, they had multiple offers on it. They went over asking. And before they were doing it, they, they had some family members and stuff saying, well, why are you staging it? Your house is lovely. She goes, because we want it to look great. You know, people walking in and saying, this is fabulous. And so that's why they did it, you know, and it shows when it, you know, goes quickly and you get multiple offers and they were, on the beach when it they sold their house like how awesome is that that's <laughs> awesome that makes a great day i'm sure <laughs> yeah yeah because i exactly i think i think i was interviewing someone and i forgot who it was i'm really bad with short-term memories but i remember the guest saying that buyers always overestimate how much work they need to do for the home uh, in terms of quantity of work and also the dollar sign and so even though they might say, oh, I don't really necessarily want a turnkey property, but most people probably still prefer having a turnkey property. They do. And as a buyer, I mean, we don't know on the price of stuff realistically. And if they're sort of looking at it saying, oh, this whole house has to be repainted. Well, I don't have to hire somebody. So then they're putting it in at five or 10,000 for painting where it could just be a couple hundred bucks for paint. You know what yeah. I mean? Are they doing it themselves or like realistically, are you really hiring somebody or are you doing this on your own? So, you know, one of the biggest things that it's interesting, I've had buyers where we open the door and the smell has been so bad that they didn't even want to continue. They just said, no, like it, the smell was so bad and it was, it's been animals. It's been cooking smells or even the um, too strong of odor when they put in the, all the plugins. And people have to remember there's people today are so, so they're sensitive, susceptible to the smell, to the smell yeah. right? That they won't even walk in. It could be the nicest house in like past that door. But if that smell hits them right there, they don't even go through. Yeah. I'm like, oh, okay. That was the fastest little house we've seen. <laughs> <laughs> Turn around, lock the door. Oh my God. I remember when I was uh, warehouse hunting and my mom came with me and there was one particular one. It was so cluttered on the outside. My mom was like, this will be a no. I don't even need to see it. I already know. <laughs> and sure enough, I walked in with a real estate agent. I could not see the warehouse space because everything was floor to ceiling. They just had like a little walkway. 
um, in between their inventory. So I was like, I can't tell like how much stuff we can or cannot put in here. So this will be a no for us. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, curb appeal is very important. And, you know, depending on what time of the year it is, like summertime and springtime and some of the fall, I mean, you actually, you know, it's cutting the grass and raking the leaves and, and you've got some urns and you can plant the flowers that are, you know, in the gardens and it makes, looks really great. Wintertime, it depends on, can you do, you might be able to do some winter urns, but otherwise it's just making sure all your driveways and sidewalks are cleared so that no one's slipping and falling and the lights work because it gets dark so quickly that we have access and we can see the house. I had a member of friends going and seeing a house and as soon as she saw the house, she said, this is it. And her husband said, well, can we at least walk in the house? But she just felt at home from the outside and just how it was there. And it sold her as she walked through the house. And that you've got other people that they look at the house and they, nope. And you're like, do you only want to go in? Nope. <laughs> they just know it's not going to work for them. Like my mom. My mom's like, nope. Yeah. I mean, if the outside is like this. You don't even need to bother. Like the inside's probably worse. And I was like, okay. And sure enough, she exactly. was right. Yeah. And a lot of it, I, I do feel like it's a bit like dating. It, you know, it could be love at first sight. There are people who saw a house on the street. That it's not even for sale. They just went on, you know, at the door and knocking on the door and asked the homeowner if they want to sell it. And sometimes people do want to sell. So you just never know. So that's why I think you're very correct when it says curb appeal is extremely important. Yeah. Well, actually, I was taking clients. We were doing the home inspection. And there was a knock on the door and I answered the door and it was somebody who said, can I come in? You know, I, I'm interested in buying. Can I come through? And I said, sorry, we're, this is in our house, but we're buying it. doing a home inspection and they still wanted to come through. Well, I want, you know, I want to know if this is if the complex I want. I said, sorry, it's not my house at this point in time to be able to say come through. <laughs> so yeah, you do have some people that are driving around the neighborhood and, and, they need to be in that neighborhood. So they themselves are knocking on doors. Yeah. I mean, some people, especially uh, homes, I think where the school district is very good. That's very enticing for yeah. a lot of homeowners today. Um, it can be a really bad house. I mean, I've been seeing that in real estate where the house was like, eh. but the thing is it was situated in a really good school district and nothing ever comes on sale in that neighborhood. So even the house is crap. Yeah but people will buy it because they can fix it. But the point is they really want their children to go to a very good school. Well, exactly. And what they might be willing to put up with is the house just to be able to be into that district or that area, as you say, for the school or for, if it's work, it could be both. Yeah. Or they themselves are raised in that area and they want the kids to be raised in the same area. True, That's true as well. And the thing is like, it's always a really good investment if the location is great. If it's in a really good school district, it's only going to go up. It's never going to come down. Mm -hmm. I've seen it so many times in the Bay Area. It's just like, oh my God, it's crazy how fast the market can go sometimes. Oh, for sure. Certain areas of any town, you know, they're more popular ones and that as soon as the sign hits the lawn. Next thing you know, you've got, it's just crazy busy with, you know, people wanting to see it because there are some people that have, you know, they're only wanting that certain street or that certain neighborhood and they could be on the MLS listings and they get nothing. And all of a sudden that street shows up and they're like, show it to me. Cause 
<laughs> We've been waiting a year and a half. You know, finally there's something on the street. Let's make it happen. Wow. That's crazy to me. <laughs> I'm a longtime renter. So to wait for like a year and a half for a house, it just seems like, wow, that is difficult, I think.、Mm-hmm. And so, what are some of the deal breakers for the buyers today? Well, smell for sure. That's a big one. If their houses are dirty, there are people, again, they, even though they know it can be cleaned, that they can clean it, it still is like, no, I, no, you know. They also look how much, you know, what's the price and how it's showing. Is it worth what they're asking for, right? Like, is it clean? Is it smelly? Is there lots of work that has to be done? Have they been looking after it so that I'm, you know, comfortable, you know, offering what they're asking? Is there a lot of work that I have to do, a lot of repairs I have to do? Yeah, I think a lot of it is also like psychological in a way, because if you go to a house that's really dirty, You're just kind of thinking, well, if they can live in this dirty environment, God knows what kind of maintenance are they letting slide, kind of thing, right? And so、exactly. a lot of times people look at dirty houses. I mean, normal dust, it's fine, but if you're seeing like trash all over the place, or they know there's open house coming, but there's a pile of dirty dishes in the sink, it just kind of makes you think, like, what are some other home maintenance stuff that people are letting slide? And so I think that triggers this this kind of thing where people just be like,、mm, I don't I don't even want to like put that into our choice and then have to deal with maybe some of the surprises down the line. Well, exactly. But the other thing too is like you only get one chance at making a great first impression, which is you know people or houses. And buyers when they walk in, if they start, oh, this is lovely, this is great, you know, I love you know the big foyer. But if they say, "Oh my gosh, look at that hole in the wall," then from that point on, they're not—they are looking to see what they can find wrong in every single room that they go into. Yeah, exactly. They're not looking for anything positive. They're looking for all, all the negatives. Then you're trying to say, "So, what do you like the house?" And it's like, "Well, it needs this and it needs that." Well, it, you know, there's got to be some positive things of the home. Now you've got to try and find something that's positive when all they're now looking for is the negative. Right. Well, because also it's a large purchase, so they're they want to make sure they really get the bang of their buck, and so they're gonna start looking for faults to kind of be like,、mm, should we buy this house? Maybe not. It's not as perfect as we want, or whatever it is that they're thinking. That's why when we're you know we're asking the sellers, let's walk through the house, let's make sure that things are fixed and repaired and cleaned and. Organized and all that type of stuff, because then as the people are walking through, they're only getting positive feelings from it. But if you're not, if from the moment they've walked in, that the smell hits them, and then they, you know, everything is dirty, and they're banging into everything, and it's just too overwhelming. Like you, like when you did yours, it's just like I, I can't even see past any of it. I know it's not going to be here, but I can't even imagine, and it's just too much. Yeah. I agree. I think a lot of it is buyer psychology, and I know sellers are like, but you know, whatever. But the thing is, I think it is really important, especially in a competitive market. You really want to put your best foot forward, and then make sure. Because I think a lot of sellers get freaked out about, I don't know, the overall things. You know, they feel overwhelmed, or the economy is not doing well, or it's doing too well, etc., etc. Those are the things you can't control. They're like the bigger picture stuff, but you can. 
prepare your home for sale. I mean, those are the things you can have firm control on. You know how you present your home on the internet, how you photograph it, how you sell it, how you market it, how you stage it. So it's、mm-hmm. that the more preparation you do for your home in a very strategic way, it's really going to give you that return on investment. Correct. And how do buyers negotiate when it comes to the price of their home? Like, what are some of the common things that will make a buyer say, "Well, this will be a really good opportunity for us to ask for a lower sales price." Well, if they are finding that even without a home inspection, if they're seeing that all the things that have to be fixed or repaired or replaced, they're looking at thousands. They don't say, "Oh, that'll cost fifty dollars." So that's why you know, if things are broken, fix them. Because some people. Are not handy, right? They just look at it. it's like I have to hire somebody to do all of this stuff. Whereas if you are somewhat handy and can, you know, change the light bulbs so that all all of them are working, that's not asking too much to have a light and it's clean and, you know. So I think you have to. Well, as you know, when you said that you're a buyer agent, you know what's happening in the neighborhood. You can say that this, you know, what it sold for, what it looked like. And then they are able to say, well, if it sold for that and it and it looked great, well, this one, you know, doesn't. How can I justify paying the same thing for something that I'm going to have to put in another thirty thousand dollars to make it look like that one? Right. Yeah. I think ultimately is to to do as much preparation as you can, so that the buyers will have less chance to say no on certain things. Correct. Because, like you said, yeah, not everyone is very handy. Like I, I'm. Fairly handy. I know how to use power tools. I put up shelves and assemble IKEA furniture, and you know all that stuff. And I went on a date with this guy, or I was dating this guy who was like never even changed a light bulb in his life. I mean, he was making really good money, so he always had somebody who helped him to do it. And I was like so shocked. And、yeah. I was was like, you never, you never put up a bookshelf. He was like, no, never. I never had to. And、mm-hmm. I was like, okay. <laughs> But you know, you just never know what kind of situations buyers are dealing with, and then the more things they feel like they have to fix for the house, for them, they're adding extra dollar sign that your listing price of what the true cost of the house might be. And well, they're not know,、like, they're not adding、yeah. it to the price; they're taking it off. Exactly, and so so it's really important to make sure you do all the repairs or as much as you can before you go on the market. Correct. And do you see a different reaction with your buyers when they see a stage home versus a non-stage home? Some of them will comment and say, "Oh, this is staged," and you sort of say, "Yes, it is." They can also tell if it's been staged well, but I haven't really heard anything negative about, "Oh, this is staged," or you know that it's a bad thing. People are getting to understand that being staged just means that it, the seller's taken the time to prepare it in the best possible light that they can. Not trying to pull any wool over your eyes, but why aren't they? You know, there's so many things that they can do that is free for them to do or at little cost to make the property look good to the buyer, and then they know that it's worth the money that they're going to be offering. Right. People have to understand that everybody has a million-dollar property, right? So a three hundred thousand-dollar home for somebody is their million-dollar property, right? Like that's the most I can afford, and I, you know, even that I'm going to end up on macaroni and cheese for whatever. But it's 
that's their million dollar property. So it has to look to them like that's what they're going to want to spend their money on and they're investing in on it. Or if it's a million dollars, is my million dollars, is it, is I going to give that person that amount of money for that house? That'd be worth it. That's my million dollar home. Yeah. I mean, I think, I think that's the thing I think is interesting. I think for you as a buyer's agent, because you see the buyer's reaction immediately, how they are influenced by staging. Or do you not see... Well, I guess my question would be, is that do you see a buyer being influenced by the staging? Uh, well, in a lot of places that might have been vacant, if we've been looking at some new builds and then you've got some of the new builds that have furniture in it, it helps them be able to envision how to set up the space. Mm-hmm. You know, oh, this is too small. It'll never fit the bed or my dining room or whatever. By having it that way, then people can say, oh, you know what? My table's a little bigger, but yes, it's going to fit in here. So this one fits the queen bed. This is great, but there's lots of room here and I can, my king bed will fit in here. By staging it, you get, they're able to start putting themselves into the space. They can envision them, themselves there. You know, I can see living here like this. You know, this feels like home. It warms up the space. It gives them that feeling that this is where I want to be. Right. Yeah. And I think that is really important because I think a lot of times when you look at a vacant home, people don't really see the potential the house has. And like we talk about how some people are not very handy. Some people are not very visual. So when they see a house, they can't see themselves living there. They don't have that imagination. Like when someone who is very familiar with design or reads a lot of interior design magazines do. Well, exactly. And they need, I think some people need, uh, you know, help on being able to say, well, how would I, what, what would I do with this space? Oh, well, this is what you can do with this space. And there's some designs that are, you know, I staged a home years ago on this build and it took me a while as a stager trying to figure out how am I supposed to stage this? So we staged it and then people bought it. Then they moved all the staging to another house. So the new homeowners came, saw it vacant and now they wanted, they didn't want the house anymore because now they can't even figure out like, this isn't what I want now that it's empty and there's no, no furniture here. I can't even imagine living here. So it does help people um, make decisions on saying, yeah, this is something I can aspire to, or this is what I, I'm looking for. That it, this feels like home. Yeah, I agree with that. I can make it a home. I totally agree with that because I feel like sometimes staging has this criticism that it's misleading for buyers or it's hiding something. But any good stager knows that it's unethical to do so. Like say if you have a giant hole in the ceiling and the stager somehow used something to cover it up, that is definitely not the right stager for you. Like that's not something that's ethical. And it's going to come out during disclosure anyway. So there's really no point. Because I have had sellers asking me, like, my foundation is really uneven here. Can you do something about that? And I'm kind of like, well, I'm not a magician, first of all. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. I can't level your foundation by staging. It just, it's just physically impossible. And second of all, as a stager, I can't do that. This is unethical. Like, I can't physically hide a flaw in the house that actually can make an impact on your sale because I think foundation issue, especially is definitely in that legal realm. Oh, 100%. But the thing is, I think staging is not misleading because it's really suggesting the lifestyle 
for the potential buyers. And like you, I have had deal with older homes where, for example, in San Francisco, in older, bigger homes, it was very common where they have a butler's entry next to the dining room because that's where the servants would prepare the dish before they bring out to like a dinner party, right? But in modern times, mm -hmm. we don't really use things like that. Like, so what do you do in that space? So in a way, staging is also kind of educating the buyers, like what can you do with this space, especially when there's a tricky floor plan or something that's left historically, like how do you deal with that as a modern person? Yeah, well, I find that staging, like as a professional stager and a licensed realtor, any suggestions that I'm making is to showcase the property in the best light. And that means that you're suggesting repairs that need to be done and saying, can you, you know, clean the windows, um, the light fixtures, uh, the switch plates, the baseboards, show that the house is nice and clean. That's not misleading anybody, right? How are you misleading anybody? You've just asked them to clean something. Um, editing furniture so that the room looks bigger. That's not misleading anybody because some people like the big bulky furniture and it's realistically that's, you know, you don't need a couch that big for that space setting up rooms so that people don't bang into the furniture and, and or you can't open a closet door. You're not misleading anybody by making it so that when people are actually viewing the home, they can open the closet door, right? They, it's not, you can ask sellers to, you know, can you cook with less strong odors, you know, keep up with the, the litter boxes, make sure your backyard's cleaned up for many animal feces. It's not misleading anybody. We're just saying these are things that people are going to see. Look after them. Get them done before people come looking through the house here. Exactly. You know, they don't want any surprises. Yeah. It's really about presenting that best potential this house can have for this potential buyer. Correct. It's correct. Right. And so staging, you know, it, it's the proper way of staging is asking, getting things cleaned, asking them to do repairs, and then just presenting the home in the best light so that a that the seller can achieve the best price that they're hoping for and that the buyer knows that what they're offering is worth what they're offering right because the repairs have been done because it's clean because it looks like the homeowners have maintained it because they've repaired all these different things and looked after the home right and in your opinion what are some of the common mistakes home sellers make when they're selling their homes well, sometimes they think that a buyer will see past stuff and they have to rem remember that if you're expecting the buyer to see past it, then they're going to take that off of your price, right? They need to remember that the first impressions are the lasting impressions. Also, the sign on the lawn is a big thing. It's the easiest way for someone to know that your property is up for sale. And some people say, well, I don't want my neighbors to know. Well, if you're not letting people know that it's up for sale, how are you going to sell it? And then it could be a neighbor that has friends or family that want to move into the neighborhood. So that's the best way to let them know is by having that on the lawn, right? Right. I totally agree, especially with the age of social media, you just never know like how the listing can be shared. Yeah. And you always have to remember that while it's on the market from the moment that, you know, it's hitting MLS that your staging has been done, it has to look that way all the time. You have to make sure you your garbage is away and your beds are made and the toilet seat lids are down and that, you know, that your house presents perfectly every day. 
Exactly. And so our hour is coming to a close. I just have one question for you. Uh, what is the number one tip you will give、mm-hmm. to the home seller when it comes to selling their homes? I think the biggest one really is to work together as a team. Like follow the plan that we're putting together, and then the selling process will run smoothly, and it's less stressful for them as a seller. Right? Everybody that's involved in the sale, including the seller, we're all wanting the same positive ending. We want the house sold, and we want it sold as quickly as possible, and we want the best return on it as well. And it's if everybody does their part and everyone listens to what everybody is saying, then I think that the homes sell well and with less stress. That's great. Yeah. So thank you so much for being on the show. That wasn't too bad, right? <laughs> <laughs> So that's it for today's show. Thank you so much for listening. If you want to help and support the show, there are three ways to do so. You can leave a review and rating on iTunes. You can share the show on social media, or you can donate to support the maintaining costs for the podcast. You can make a donation through the show notes or on the sidebar of our site. If you haven't left a review on iTunes, please do so. This will help us grow the show and book more guests. If you have any questions, feedback, and suggestions, you can comment on the show notes. You also find the show notes by going to stagemore.com/podcast. That's it. Have a fantastic week and happy staging.